John chapter 14. We're going to jump into this passage in just a moment. I've entitled today's sermon, Peace in the Midst of the Storm. Now, before you start sending emails, letters, or phone calls, uh, this is not an election message, okay? This is just a a spiritual message for all of us, because there's not a person in this room that has not been through a storm in your life. In fact, let's just start from this perspective. How many of you in your life at some point have been through a storm? Just raise your hand. Okay, everybody put your hands down. What's your name? Isaiah. Isaiah put his hand up before I even asked the question. So you've been through a storm, am I right, Isaiah? Stand up, stand up. This is Isaiah, and Isaiah has been through a storm. And so he represents all of us here today because there's every person, everyone gathered in this room, everyone watching this service right now, all of us have been through storms. And I can guarantee you that if you're not in a storm right now, or you didn't just come out of a storm, I promise you there's one just around the corner. My dad, and those of you who've been around here for a long time, probably heard my dad say many, many times, he would say this. He said, you either just came out of a storm, you're in the storm right now, or you're going to get the phone call this afternoon. He said that over and over again, or a constant reminder that we are going to walk through storms in life. And so whether it's a financial storm, or whether it's a relationship storm, whether it's a a health storm, we are going to walk through storms. And if that's true, which it is, then we must need to know, we have to know, how we're going to make it through. Because God does not want us to walk into the storm without a plan. God does not want us to walk into a storm without hope. God does not want us to walk into the storm without understanding the promises that God has already given to us, that He will deliver us. And so today we're going to talk about peace in the midst of the storm. Now, John chapter 14, we're going to jump into that passage in just a moment, but I want to kind of set the stage, give you a little context of what's happening here in this conversation. So this is the conversation that Jesus was having with His disciples in the moments leading up to His betrayal and in the moments leading up to His crucifixion on the cross. So he gathered his disciples together, his disciples were there, guys who had left everything to follow after him, who had been walking with him and talking with him and learning from him and seeing all of the great things that that Jesus had done, hearing all of the great things that Jesus had said. And they've been walking with him now for uh, several years, and here they are, Jesus has got them huddled together, and he's saying, okay guys, in verse 1 of John chapter 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. You know that passage, right? Now we know that we continue reading that passage. In verse 5, Thomas did what many of us would do. We'd say, wait a minute, Jesus, this sounds awesome, but we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. In other words, like, like clarify this here. I, we, we need you to, you know, give us the coordinates so we can punch it into our iPhones here, the, our maps here, to make sure we know where you're going. Because I want to get to that place. And so then Jesus followed that up with verse 6, which is one of the great verses in all of Scripture, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And so we know this conversation is taking place. Now, That part of the conversation that many of us are familiar with, that part of the conversation where Jesus said, what I'm doing is going to be a a point of hope for you for all of eternity. I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. That's not the passage that we're going to kind of dig into right now. 
Because what we're going to do is go into the latter part of this conversation, because in the latter part of the conversation, now, I don't know if they're still sitting there, because again, this was when they were gathered together at the table. I don't know if they're still like reclining, leaning on the table there. I don't know if they're still gathered around that space. We've all seen the, the Last Supper picture, right? And they're all sitting on one side of the table. And, you know, they're, they're still, I don't think that's probably the way they were that day. They probably, like we do, we sit around the table. I don't know if they were still at the table or if they had kind of moved into the family room. I don't really know. But I know that what we're going to read today is a continuation of that same message, that same encouragement, that same statement that Jesus was giving to his disciples because they were about to enter into a storm. Make no mistake, they were about to walk into a major storm, and Jesus knew it. Because he knew that in a very short time, he would be betrayed. In a very short time, he would be beaten. In a very short time, he would be mocked. In a very short time, he would be crucified. And he also knew in a very short time, every single one of them would face the same kind of persecution. Some would lose their life because of what they believed. And so Jesus needed to make sure he shored everything up to make sure that he gave them what they needed to, to make it through that day and, and the next day and every day to give them peace in the midst of the storm. So that's the context of the passage we're going to read today. So let's jump into John chapter 14 and let's see what Jesus said when he was trying to encourage those who were about to walk into the greatest storm of their life. And we're going to use this to help us when we're entering into the great storms of our life. So Isaiah, pay attention, okay? You got it? All right. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. I've spoken these things, Jesus speaking now, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I did not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You've heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. And if you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I've told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no power over me. On the contrary, I am going away so that the world may know that I love the Father. Just as the Father commanded me, so I do. Get up, let's leave this place. Now, Jesus uses this conversation with his disciples to encourage them, to encourage us, to help us in the midst of our storm. And so here's what we can kind of use as a takeaway for the storms that, we about, that we're about to enter or the storm that you're currently in. How are we going to navigate? How are we going to walk through? And the first thing we can take away from this, so we can walk out of this passage, this conversation, this teaching from Jesus for the storms of our life is this. God is always with us. God is with us. Now listen, and you're in the midst of a storm, good news, God is with you. You're about to get the phone call today. God is with you. No matter how bad it might seem, God is with you. Hey, if it's 2020, God is with you. This entire year has been a storm. And we've seen it over and over again. We've seen so many challenges and so many heartaches, so many situations, and we didn't know what to do. But we can walk away from the teaching of Jesus. God is with us. Look back in verse 20, uh, 26. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit... The Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. Here is what you must understand. Jesus was making it clear. I'm leaving. My job here is almost done. 
And I'm going to go back to the Father and prepare a place for you through the the sacrifice that I'm about to make. But oh, don't be discouraged. Don't let your heart be troubled. Because God is going to send the third person in the Trinity, Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He is going to come with you. And the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, good news for you. Because the Holy Spirit of God will be with you every step of the way. And that is such an encouragement because the Holy Spirit has a very specific job description. He has been given a very specific path, a thing that He is to do in and for every single one of us. And what He basically does is this. He connects us, He corrects us, He convicts us. The three things that He does, and He does many more things than that, but those are the three main functions the Holy Spirit provides to us. The first one, He connects us. What does He do? He connects us to the Father. Jesus said it here, He will teach you, and He will remind you of everything that I've said. Man, what an encouragement that must have been for those who were sitting there at that table that night. Because when they're thinking, when they're hearing Jesus say, I'm leaving you, I'm out of here, you know, pretty soon. I'm going to be leaving you. You're going to be here. But good news, because the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside, and He's going to be with you, and He's going to remind you of everything that I've taught you. And make no mistake, Jesus had taught them a great deal. Jesus had given them incredible things for them to remember. You go back in the Gospels and find all the things that Jesus said. You go back and look at all the words that He he spoke to to the disciples and to those that that He spoke to while the disciples were hanging out and listening to what He had to say. A lot of great teaching, a lot of great statements, a lot of things that they needed to know on how to navigate the trials and the problems and situations of life. And Jesus said, great news, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I said. Now here's why that's important. Because while the Holy Spirit connects us to the Father, continues to teach us and remind us of what Jesus said, He corrects us like He, you know, when we mess up, He's the one there to convict us of our sin, to help us to see that what I just did does not line up with God's plan, it does not line up with Scripture, so you need to get back on the right path, that's His job. But here's the thing that we need to understand. The reason that the Holy Spirit was sent by God to be with us in the midst of every storm is just simply this, because storms are a great place to feel like we're all alone. Storms are a really good place to feel like nobody cares. Storms are a really good place to feel like we are out here on an island all by ourselves, and we have no plan, we have no ideas to what to do, no direction of which way to go, and we feel as if defeat is just right around the corner. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of everything Jesus said. Because when we get in the midst of a storm, man, that's the loneliest place you can ever be. I remember a few years ago, 2017, I had the, the bright idea, the great plan to, uh, to take my bride, to take Sherry on our 25th wedding anniversary uh, on a trip down to St. Martin in the Caribbean. Never been there before, was all excited, I mean, it had beautiful beaches, I mean, it's just an incredible plan. And I mean, I planned, I surprised her, never told her. It was awesome. She didn't know till the day we were heading to the airport of where we were going. Now, the one thing that I had kind of forgotten to to plan out or to think about is that going to the Caribbean in September is not always a great plan because there's these things called hurricanes, right? And some of you remember, it was September of 2017, and, and I started seeing in the days leading up to that flight when we were about to leave and head out to the airport and jump on American Airlines to head down to St. Martin, I started seeing that way off the coast, the, uh, the western coast of, of Africa, there was this little storm that was spinning. And they were saying that, you know, it could turn into something. 
And I was like, ah, it's no big deal. We'll go down there. We'll hang out for a few days. If we have to, we'll leave early and come home. And so we headed off to St. Martin. We got there on the island, having a beautiful time. The weather was beautiful. The sun, I mean, it's just gorgeous. And we're sitting there, and that storm just kept coming and coming and coming. So finally, I said, you know, we'll just leave a couple of days early. No big deal. The only problem that I hadn't thought about is the fact that there were about a million other people who had that same plan. And so when I pick up the phone to call over the airlines to change my flight to come home early, there were no flights to be had. In fact, the airlines canceled all their flights, which means now we're going to be stuck right there in the middle of that hurricane. And so me, like Mr. Optimist, always like everything is great. I was like, oh, this will be cool. I'll take pictures. This will be fun. (laughs) By the time it reached the island, it was a Category 5, winds over 250 miles an hour. It blew everything away. The hotel that we were in was gone. We were down in the basement in the bunker. You know, if you've been around, you know the story. For three or four days after the hurricane came through, there was no electricity and there was no telephones and there was no water and there was no internet. There was no connection to the outside world. And I can honestly tell you that that was the most isolated, most lonely feeling that I've ever experienced in my life. Now, I was there with my wife and I was there with a couple hundred other people, which is a wonderful place to spend your anniversary in a basement in a bunker with a couple hundred other people. But... But it was the most isolated I've ever been. And here's why. Because I was sitting there in St. Martin, and for three or four days, my children who were here in Lynchburg had no idea if I was even alive. And all that was going through my mind is how upset they might be and how scared they might be. And, And all four of them are here in Lynchburg just worried to death. Well, I mean, three of them worried to death. One was looking for the will, but still... Scared to death because they didn't know if their parents were still alive. And I'm telling you, I just felt helpless and I felt hopeless. You see, when you're in the midst of a storm, what you do is you end up feeling helpless and hopeless. And that's why Jesus made it very clear. Oh, good news. Because you see, when you're in the most difficult moment of life, God the Father, He is going to send the comforter to you. And He's going to teach you. And He's going to encourage you. And he's going to remind you of all the promises that I've given to you. You know, promises like that I will never leave you and never forsake you. You know, promises like nothing can separate you from the love of God. You know, promises like that I will stick closer than a brother. You know, promises that that anything that you have, that you pray to the Father in my name, he will do. He will remind you of all those great promises. You see, in the midst of the storm, the first most important thing that you can do is remember, you are never alone. God is with you. But not only is God with you, we also see in this passage Jesus reminding us all that not only is God with us, but his peace is with us. His peace is still there. Look in this uh, passage, verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You see, Jesus is saying here, listen, good news, the Comforter's coming. Good news, the Holy Spirit will be with you. Good news, listen, I know it's going to be tough, but I will give you my peace. And this peace that I'm giving to you, this peace that I'm leaving with you, is a peace unlike anything that you've ever experienced or anything that you could ever understand. And so remember this, don't let your heart be troubled, don't let your heart be fearful, because I will be with you. My peace is there for the taking. Reminds me of Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 where we're told, man, don't be anxious for anything. Why? Because God will give to us the peace that passes all understanding. 
The peace that goes beyond anything that you could ever hope for, anything that you could ever ask for, anything that you could ever imagine. The hope, the peace that doesn't make sense. And Jesus said, I will give you that peace. And man, what a great reminder to us in the storms of life that God is with us. The Holy Spirit walks with us into the storm. And as he walks with us into the storm, the one thing that you can guarantee, that you can count on, that you can take to the bank is that he will bring you peace. And when you're in the midst of that storm, guess what's the one thing that you really need to be reminded of more than anything else? Peace. You need to be reminded that that God has promised you in the midst of the winds, in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the distress, in the midst of the defeat that you feel, peace is available. Peace is promised. And so you've got to remember that kind of peace. Look what it says in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 34, verse 17 and 18, I want you to get this because we need to be reminded of this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. Let me read that again. Can I read that again? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and he delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Hey, the next time you're in the midst of a storm, open up your Bible and turn to Psalm 34, verse 17 and 18, and be reminded that the righteous will cry out, and here's what God promises to do. He promises to hear us. Remember how we said a few moments ago that when you're in the midst of the storm, it's the easiest place in the world to feel like you're all by yourself, like you're all alone, right? Right, remember that? Okay, so when you're in the midst of that storm, and when you do feel all alone, and when you feel like everyone has left you, when you feel like there's nowhere to turn, when you feel like there's nowhere to go, when you feel like everyone has walked out of the door, Hey, remember this, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. Oh, but he doesn't just hear you, he delivers you. Hey, is that good news? Anybody encouraged by Isaiah? Are you encouraged today? You promised me you're encouraged? Oh, he's encouraged. And see, there you go. Will you come here every Sunday? I need you in all three services. Like, they're awesome, it's great. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears, and the Lord will deliver. Why? Because he is near to the brokenhearted. In other words, when you are feeling that loneliness, when you're feeling that defeat, when you're feeling that distress, when you are all by yourself and you feel like nobody cares, he is right there by your side. He is so close. When you are crushed in spirit, he is there to wrap you up in his arms and save you. Man, what an encouragement. You see, God is always with us and his peace is always there. But we also see in this passage some other great statements that we could use as a takeaway in the midst of our storms. Nothing can stop the peace of God. Nothing can stop it. Look what it says here. Again, verse 30. Jesus said, I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of this world is coming. But, the but's not there, but that's the idea. But he has no power over me. At times in our lives and times in our storm, you know what ends up happening? What we end up believing, we end up believing that Satan has the upper hand. We end up sometimes believing that the Satan that we read about who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, the Satan that we read about who comes who's prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour, sometimes we feel like Satan has got the upper hand, he's, uh, he's actually being more aggressive, he's doing a better job, and he's after us and he's winning. 
But listen to what Jesus says here. I love this. He says, listen, I'm not going to be talking to you much longer. Because again, he's about to go to the cross, and then after the cross, and a few days after that, he's going to ascend into heaven. I'm not going to be talking to you much longer. Because the ruler of the world, that's Satan, is coming. And he's going to come after you. And he's going to attack. And he's going to feel like he's won. He's going to feel like, like he's on top of the world. It's only going to last about three days. But he's going to feel like everything is good. But he has no power over me. And so what Jesus told them and what Jesus tells us is, listen, when you feel defeated like Satan's got the upper hand, like Satan has got more power than you could ever possibly imagine, more than you feel like you could overcome, don't worry about it because Satan doesn't have a prayer against Jesus. Satan cannot stop the power of Jesus. And here's the other cool thing. While Satan is more powerful than us, Satan is not more powerful than us when we are depending on Jesus. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Satan doesn't have a prayer. And so we're reminded nothing can stop the peace that Jesus promises. Let me say that again. Nothing can stop the peace that Jesus has promised. Isaiah, I need your help. Nothing can stop the peace that Jesus has promised. Isaiah, come on. There we go, right? Nothing can stop it. So when you feel alone, when you feel discouraged, when you feel defeated, when you feel like you've blown it, when you feel like there's no hope, when you feel like everyone has walked out, nothing can stop the peace that Jesus has promised. And I hope you're encouraged by that truth today. Because every single one of us need to be encouraged by that because every single one of us fall victim to, we fall prey to the idea that we don't have a prayer. But yet Jesus said, he doesn't have any power over me. He ain't got a chance. Yeah, Jesus made it clear. Like, like Satan, yeah, listen, he thinks he's got it all together. He thinks he's powerful. He thinks he's the big man on campus. Let me just tell you, he doesn't have a prayer. So remember that the next time you're facing that moment where you feel defeated. Jesus has not only told you that he doesn't have power over him. Jesus has told you that Satan doesn't have power over you. Like, like the battle is already won. What good news that is. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. We're safe in the arms of Jesus. Nothing can stop it. So if nothing can stop it, if he's promised his peace, if he's promised that he'll always be with us, then, then what should we do? Like, what's our response? What's, what's the, the takeaway for us today? Here's what it is. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Look what it says, verse 31. On the contrary, and again, Jesus speaking after he said he has no power over me. On the contrary, Jesus said, I am going away so that the world may know that I love the Father. Just as the Father commanded me, so I do. And listen to these last words. I love this. Listen to this. Get up. Let us leave this place. Jesus said, get up. When you're sitting there in the midst of your fear, when you're wallowing in defeat, when you're sitting there feeling like nobody cares, when you're sitting there feeling like everything has fallen apart and there's no hope and there's no peace and there's no comfort and there's no answer and there's no direction and there's no clarity and there's no wisdom and I'm done for and there's nowhere I can turn. I don't have anywhere to go. Jesus said this, get up and leave this place. 
And so the question I've got for you today is what place is it in your life that you need to get up and walk out? Now, I'm not talking about walk out of the room right now, okay? So anybody who's thinking about that, just stay seated because I'm going to feel bad. Get up and leave the place of defeat. Get up and leave the place of discouragement. Get up and leave the place where you feel like no one cares. Get up and leave the place where it feels like you have no hope. Get up and leave the place when the storm that you're in and the pain that you're facing and the sorrow that you're experiencing, get up and leave that place and run into the arms of God who has promised, I will never leave you. And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.